0: Darling, we've had one hell of a time But the question on everybody's mind Where is the...
1: Hello, and welcome to Ideas Don't Bleed, a comics podcast presented by Ashcan Press and featuring Matthew Rosenberg and the Supple Boys, Ethan S. Parker, and Griffin Sheridan. This is part two of our discussion with Teeny Howard. We hope you enjoy.
2: Well, let's talk about the new book. Let's talk about Phenomenosity, um, oh. which you can read on your Substack right now, the first two chapters.
3: And it's free. Um, you, know, you just have to sign up. Uh, there's other stuff that costs money to read, but if you just want to read the comic, I don't, we don't charge people for that. What are out, it's two weeks for just the paid people, but then it's yeah. free for everyone. So,
2: and everyone should read it because it's awesome, weird, beautiful, smart, sci grounded sci fi. It's mm-hmm. it's 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 small, intimate sci fi. Um, and like, you know, first of all, do you want to give the pitch for what the book is?
3: uh it. yeah it's me and, and phil c v who I've actually been working with since I was at Top cow so It's like one of my first projects in comics, and we became good friends mm-hmm. uh and we're, we're like we're very close friends now um and so there was he, I wanted to do this book with him really badly um because I knew I wanted it to be about an intimate relationship and in a city and a mysterious phenomenon and Phil draws all of those things really really well he does um but yeah it's a, a woman named Amelia hurt who goes to a mysterious city to find out the death of a friend. The city is uh, it's in the world we live in today, sort of theoretically, but a mysterious environmental phenomenon pops up over this mountain in Canada. And it doesn't respond, it doesn't do anything, it's just there. So people kind of move under it to study it and worship it and whatever. And it doesn't change, it's just there. So people build up around it, A whole society builds up around it. So the book is kind of both about the uh, mystery of Amelia trying to find her dead friend, who was uh, her, like, internet bestie back in the day. they have never met in person, but she found out she's dead. Um, and her exploration of this uh, city under this phenomenon,
2: people that live there awesome the um yeah i you know like when i read it i was i i sort of not to put you know not to do like an exploration of your influences but like
3: no i I love the show yeah
2: i feel you know i feel like you see a lot of like there's a lot of grant morrison in there there's a lot of it feels like harlan ellison stuff it feels like you know um uh there's notes of arrival if you want to talk about that um and and it's interesting cuz it's all stuff i love but like again not how my brain works and and for me getting into the book like you start with the phenomenon you start mm-hmm. talking about the phenomena and these things appear and i was so drawn into that and i i loved it so much and then it just swerves to be about this woman mm-hmm. and i was Uh, Like, I had two thoughts. One, I was like, oh, I can't wait to see how these things come together. But the other is, um, man, did Teeny take two good book ideas and waste them by putting them in the (laughs) same book when she could have had two cool books.
3: I can't do that, though. Like, I have to layer things. Like, I've learned that about me. Like, I can't, I can't my ideas like that that's kind of how they work because like i'll have two of them floating around or i'll have like a miasma of like six of them floating around in my head and i'm like none of these all of these feel like gestational yeah like none of them feel real and then like one day two of them bump into each other about something that means and i'm like it's like the personal story and the larger story and like to me part of the like okay one thing i, lo- I love horror movies this is widely known about me and one of my favorite things about the horror genre is that your movie can be a really really simple concept like there's Mm -hmm. a monster in the basement but you can take 90 minutes to two hours telling that story right and Mm -hmm. it's like a family moves in and the daughter goes to ballet and hears voice or whatever like you just make Mm -hmm. shit up and then like the reveal is there's a monster in the basement but that's really the whole plot and it's just how Mm -hmm. they get there so for me i really really love looking at these two narratives that i have and figuring out where they touch and then working backwards and then starting to tell them as though they're disparate stories and kind of seeing and like as they get as we go along like you see how they are related and how they how they touch each other but like that feeling of what the fuck how are these related like that's part of the tension i'm trying to build to keep you in you know
2: yeah And I, I, you know, what I love about it uh, for me personally is like, they, they feel so disparate and they feel so separate, but both of them are great paths into the story. Because one is this great, the phenomenon is this amazing world building of just like intriguing, fascinating stuff. And then you have Amelia's story, which is very personal and you get to know her and like you almost forget that the other exists until they start to bump into each other. And then you're just Mm -hmm. like, oh, you have this great path of character that feels really organic and this great path of world building that feels organic. And then when they start to come together, everything blows up in this, in this really fun way where like, i don't know the thing that really shocked me about it i was like okay I, I sort when i started reading it, i was like okay i understand what the world is it's basically the the present day and then there's mm. all these like no it's a little different than the present day it's a little futuristic and and, and the more bigger. it goes yeah mm. it just it it just unwraps in this way that's so smart where like you. you're not you're not forcing it on anybody that you're guiding them through it and they're it just means that every page turn, or since you read it on Substack, every Scroll swipe, down. yeah, uh, sort of peels back what what you know more, and and you're never left with a good footing, but you're so immersed in it. It's so sharp and smart.
3: Thank you. No, I I love doing stuff like that. I love things that do that uh, intelligently. I I love I, I I watch a lot of TV. I love TV. I love sequential storytelling. I love the or sorry, not sequential. Um, episodic storytelling it's part of what i love about comics i love the idea that every segment of the story is a segment with the beginning and end and they all come together mm-hmm. to be a larger thing Um, And I love seeing something in a movie or a TV show or in a comic or in a novel that makes me go, wait, what? What was that? I'm lost. Or am I lost? Or should I just hang on to that in context? It can be disorienting. I can think of one book. It's a novel. I won't name names. but It's very, very popular. And I didn't like it because when I tried to read the first chapter, nothing was familiar. And I didn't like the writer's prose. And I was like, I feel like I just opened a junk drawer. So it can be disoriented where you're just you're like, nah, I can't grab anything here. It all looks sharp. Been unwelcoming
2: was it dr seuss um,
3: yeah i was like screw that guy uh, why do all
1: these people look so weird
3: wait Man. you looked and you found him the cat in the head oh. <laughs> <laughs> <Hold on. laughs> uh,
0: eggs wait. are not green <laughs>
3: <laughs> i demand it uh but i'm just like, thinking of other things that do that i'm thinking of um there's this book series called Luna that, like, I thought it was a sci-fi novel that did it really, really well, where, like, the first chapter starts with, like, a race, but, like, as they're describing this, like, foot race and, like, the teenager's, like, thoughts in his head during this foot race, you realize all these crazy things, like, the foot race is taking place on the moon, uh-huh. and, like, it's uh, apparently, like, a huge, like, s- like, like ritualistic deal for these people and not just a foot race. And like, it's one of those things where it just like compounds yeah. on, Um, uh-huh. I really like China Miéville's <laughs> writing. And I sure. think that he does that too. Sometimes where it's like, he'll just be like, You're, you know, like, I'm thinking of uh, The Last Days of New Paris, which is one of my favorite books of his, and how it's, like, you're sitting, you know, like, a lot of the scenes in it are, like, it's a guy, he's sitting at a table in Paris, he's drinking a coffee, it's war-torn Paris, The World War II has happened recently, oh, and there's a giant surrealistic monster walking through the street, and it's just, like, that feeling of, like, you don't know why yet, but it's not a (gasps) shock moment to him, to this character, it's normal, it's like, oh, okay, time to hide from that thing, like we do every day, and, like, Mm To me, there's nothing more interesting than watching a character go about something that's normal to them, but disorienting to me. I love that.
2: Yeah, for yeah. sure. I, I th- That brings me to sort of my last question, and then maybe we will take some questions from the audience if we yeah. have time for that. But for sure. um, mm-hmm. the the thing that really struck me about Phenomenosity, um, the thing that, that made me feel personal and I, I sort of was intrigued by, was the phenomenon, the way you talk about it, I'm like, oh, this is exciting. What is this? Um, and it's glowing creature lights in the sky. Um, and then you go into the fact that nobody knows what it is. Like they're researching it and they've been looking to it. And it's just a, it's still, you know, all this time has passed. They built a city below it. And still it's just like, we don't know what it is. And that's how you have to sort of make peace with that. And I was thinking about uh, when I went to Iceland, uh, which I've talked about before being a really magical place and seeing the Northern lights. And I, I, I guess I understand what the Northern lights are scientifically to a sense, but there was this sense of wonder at this magical thing. And like, I remember staring at it and like, it just feels otherworldly. It feels surreal and and like not of this planet. And um, I just remember being like, I wish I didn't know what this was. I wish I yeah. was a Viking. I wish I wish I could just be like, no, no one's figured this one out. And just the the a phenomena, like, I wish I could experience it like that, where people just be like, we don't know what it is It happens. Sometimes we don't know when we don't know why here it is. And I love that and getting sucked into that in your book, like, was very much wish fulfillment for me. But then you have this character who is seeking knowledge and not the knowledge of the phenomena, but like seeking knowledge in the same place. And so just from a sort of personal standpoint, like I feel like you sold the idea of it being okay with not knowing what something is and and Mm. being at peace with not understanding everything, but also have a protagonist who is seeking knowledge. And like, where do you lie on that? Where does, what, what, which is you, what, which is your perspective? Mm.
3: Uh, ooh, that's a really good question. So there's a lot of points to this, right? Point the first, I hate when horror movies explain themselves badly. Sure. Mm-hmm. Like, I love when I'm watching a horror movie and I'm totally scared and wrapped up in it. And I hate, I hate when they over explain it. Like, mm-hmm. when they're like, yeah. really good example of this is I think the first half of the movie Insidious is some really good filmmaking. And then it gets weird. That lady comes in with those two Ghostbusters. <laughs> and, in, and the whole movie turns into a Rob Zombie video. And it sucks. Yeah. Like, it sucks. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> bad. I, we could do a whole hour on how I don't like James Wan movies. but uh, I, James
0: I'm Wan's just... in the chat right now, unfortunately.
3: Hi, <laughs> James. Yeah, he said,
0: you. Yeah. He said like did you see Malignant? It was a little bit different than my usual thing.
3: I, you know, I didn't, and I've heard that. I heard I should go see yeah. Malignant. It's actually good. Yeah, uh, I so I don't like when like things explain themselves. You know, usually I'm like, just I would rather it be unexplained. But in the real world, I'm like weirdly not like that, right? Like I am an absolute, like, I, it podcasts about people who have disappeared, things who have unexplained, cases that were never solved, cases that make no sense. Like somebody walked into a building, there are no cameras, no exits, but they disappeared. Like, and people just spend years taking it apart. I love that stuff but I kind of love that. No one, that like people don't know, like for me, there's kind of a magic in the era of being brought together by not understanding. And that's the kind of magic of the city, right? It's like, we are, we are brought together because we all know together that we don't know the truth. And then people start forming factions about what they believe the truth to be. And does that kind of pollute the message or not, or does it keep it, um, ideologically pure? Uh, I was raised Catholic. I no longer practice the Catholic faith, but I still really, um, Interested in like the history of it, like I I have like really? a daily saint book I read every day. That's like an old, book. really. Just because I I, I got it like a, a while ago, and I just thought it was cool because it's a different saint every day of the yeah. year, and I hadn't read it ever, so I've just been going through over the year and being like, "What's today's saint?" My birthday yeah, was yeah. wrapped around the Archangel. I got a good one. Uh, <laughs> I got. I was like, oh shit! I got Magneto. Like, <laughs> yeah, you, you
0: got to learn all the lore, all the characters. Yeah,
3: exactly. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, I love. That. It's like kind of the same feeling, right? I'm like, yeah. all these weird, Or like, you know, half of them, it's like, oh, he was a noble man. I'm like, noble my ass. Like, you yeah, should you know? <laughs> um, But then it's like, some like you know, 14 year old virgin like fought a bunch of Roman legions and died. But you know, is a saint now. And I'm like, well, that's kind of cool. Like that. So, uh, yeah, like I, I love that idea so i was really inspired by also like in addition to things that i sent you know phil a bunch of stuff like you know ball lightning and northern northern lights and Mm. other um atmospheric phenomena that are explained but are still pretty weird um i then also sent a bunch of things like uh the image the appearance uh fatima and our lady of guadalupe and all of Mm. these like what people had described like i found like youtube videos of people recreating like what they think the appearance at fatima would have looked like for like the children there that i at, like or you know when people saw like the, the dancing of the sun like all of these oh, wow. religious things that were supposed to have happened over history i went back and found like youtube videos of people being like well based on what they explained you know based on what people said they saw here's what that supernova that people saw in china in the ninth or 11th century or whatever should have looked like like wow. it it was fun and I so I just kind of found this fusion between like my own fascination with not understanding things and then like just the magic in general of not knowing and like yeah. I I don't know I think uh, for all of my like talk and everything about like you know gassing myself up like I'm a very humble person um and I think it's like a virtue I think it's and I think the reason to be humble is not to let people step on you but it's to admit you don't know things it's to admit mm-hmm. ignorance and really? to constantly be letting the world like teach you and change you so.
2: Right. That, that was a good answer, Tina. That is was yeah. a good answer. That's a good we answer. do have a handful
1: yeah. of audience uh, questions. Please. I've also got a quick one, if that's okay with you, Matt. Do you approve of that? You,
2: uh, you should have sent it to me beforehand, but we, it's too late now. Just go. All right, yeah. <laughs> I'll
0: screen the
1: next, I'll screen the next one. Um, yeah. Teeny, there's something about your character stuff that I feel like it rings very, very genuine to me. Uh, like, Assassinista's is one of my favorite indie comics ever. And that book is like really, yeah, of course. And now it's like a very special book to me. And it feels very, like the emotionality of that book really struck me. And I felt that reading this new book as well. And I wanted to ask you like, the, the emotional stuff with your characters, do you, are you the kind of writer that pulls a lot of stuff from your personal experience? And it's sort of masked in the book. Like a lot of it, you could point to it and go like, yeah, that's basically something that I've been through or are you just really good at you know emulating other people's experiences because it all feels like it all feels so personal so that's that's something I've wondered for a
3: while yeah oh that's really nice um well thank you uh and like yeah, an Assassin's Creed, for example right like uh I'm limited by my own experience in some pretty obvious ways for example none of the main characters is a white woman yeah, sure. uh, but like uh, I am always pulling from genuine the feeling is always genuine even when the experience yeah. like it's and and I have always been like a little, I don't know, for lack of a better words, I've always been like a little writer in my head. Where everything from sure. like, I'll think about what should have happened after a movie. There's like a book my mom has when I was like eight years old, where I wrote like for a class assignment, wrote Super Mario fan fiction about me getting sucked in and going to Super <laughs> oh, Mario. <hell> yeah. You're, <laughs> you're
2: <laughs> gonna put that in the in the and, afterwards. Yeah, so we could just put that on chat.
3: Upload the PDF. I'll get mom to send it. Oh my god. Uh, nah, Subsection. I know she might actually send it to me if I ask. Uh, but so I've always been—I don't know—and like, I guess I've always been a really, really emotional person. When I was a kid, I was a total like—I used to get called crybaby. I've always just been <laughs> effusive and emo- I feel—I feel things deeply. I'm a goth kid, right? Yeah, sure. uh, And as a kid, like, you know, when I got. To kind of learning that like not everyone was super uncomfortable with that display of emotion which was a lesson I needed to learn Um I, I got really into like taking those strong emotions I felt and often putting them in like books I was reading or books of stories I was writing or things right. I was drawing or playing dress up to become a character that had meaning to me or whatever and it was just like this feeling that I had to take some way and like get this energy out and get this like being creative for me is like a thing I have to do Um mm-hmm. even when I'm on vacation I'll, I'll doodle. you know like yeah, I'll right. I'll think about stories. Like, I can't not do it. Uh, So for... It's really kind of here that it's very genuine. I've had actually people... It's really funny. I've had people that don't know me and have never met me accuse me of, like, self-insert over, like, a bunch of different characters that are all very Oh, really? And I think it's just because... Like, to me, I'm always just like, I think it's because I'm just writing genuinely. Like, I think sometimes people just feel genuine and think that it's like, well, it must be real. She must be writing, like, what really happened to her. And I'm usually... Not and as a matter of fact, I'm kind of like really private about my emotion, my personal emotions. I'm not the person that goes like there, you'll never find a video of me crying into a camera online. I think it's fine (laughs) if people want to do it, but that's just that's not me. I don't get really personal with strangers, except for the way I get really personal with strangers, which is through fiction writing. And I, yeah, yeah. for that, for for a character, for someone who's not me, I'll like skin myself and put all my emotions on the page, but like. Okay, Teeny, write a substack about the emotions you've felt in the past year. I'm like, mm, I'd rather write about horror movies I so yeah, like. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. don't
3: want to do that. It's uncomfortable for me. But it means a lot to hear that it's genuine because then it's worth absolutely.
1: it. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, good answer. Good answers all around. Yeah. We, we could do. A, we could do a few audience questions before we let you go. I got time. Am I, time, time I, think, I let I think go let's... I mean, the
0: other segment. Yeah, this. Right. I think after that. <laughs> kind of profound, you know, inquiry from Ethan. We have one from a fan, uh Tyler Bose, says mm. "Miss Howard, would you rather have a dog with human hands or a cat with a human face? Good question, Tyler Bose.
3: Uh cat, hands down. I'm not really a dog person. Mm.
2: But, yeah, but it has the, a human face. Human face. It's it's a human very upsetting. Face.
3: Whose face is it? Do I get to pick? No, or it's is a it it's a cat's no. face? It just it's has the cat's cute.
2: face, but it's like a human version of it. Oh, well, wait, okay, God, well, hold they're, on. They're both let's just so, so bad.
3: Also, you could, okay, let's you be can real.
2: Who is it? Whose face is on your monster cat? That's sure. a good question. It's yours. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, that's a cute cat. That's a good cat. That's an yes. Yes. That's little, he has
3: little glasses, and I feed him a dish of chocolate milk. <laughs> uh, also, but, but... Oh, Tyler, you're icon. <laughs> I, I love that picture. Um, but yeah, also, a dog with human hands just sounds like trouble. Like, giving anything human hands, like... Is is asking for
0: What's him. it what's it
2: gonna do with them? I don't yeah. wanna know. Mm-hmm. I don't want a dog it, that can fire a gun.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah you definitely want a dog that can fire a gun. That's what yeah. uh, gun a, dog. Matt didn't Matt, didn't you say you don't like cats? Don't like like them. Do not That's like funny because you do have
1: like a a cat energy a there's, little bit. There's a
2: cat. Also, wow, right. wow! Yeah. You guys are really swinging on me this week. I'm like
1: <laughs> I'm a, a gap loving cat guy. Like, <laughs> not
2: not a cat owner energy, like a cat energy like, in I yourself. I am a cat. You Just a little are bit. one. Cat. I um I don't like cats. When I was a kid, uh, my grandmother had a cat, and I when I would go stay at my grandma's house. I would, I'd be in bed at night and it would sneak into the bed through the bottom of the bed under the covers. And so I would just see this like lump coming towards my, <laughs> my body and my crotch. And I'd like, I knew that I knew what it was. I was a little kid, but I was still like, that's the cat. You can't just kick it. But like mm-hmm. every instinct in your body is like, there's a lump moving towards you in your bed, kick it. And that mm-hmm. to me informed <laughs> cats for me entirely. And then later I was just like, they're just um, kind of rude. Dudes who live in your house and shit in a box. Rude dudes. (laughs) Rude dudes.
3: Uh dogs are other people's, but I don't see wait, this is what I mean. This is what I mean. You're gonna say we don't talk about dogs, but this is the problem because if you don't like cats, you can talk all day about how acceptable it is to not like cats. But if I'm like I'm not really a dog person, people are like
1: People, like, like I've heard fine. people say you're I a sociopath like if you don't like dogs. It's <laughs> just like, oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. yeah I'm,
3: like, I'm like, look, like, they're fine. I think other people's dogs are wonderful. Yeah. I will play uh, with your dog. Yeah. I will pet your dog. But what I don't want to be doing is getting up in the middle of the night to let something that weighs half as much as I do outside to piss and shit. No, thank you. <laughs> they're They make a lot of noise.
1: But imagine if they had hands. Then they could yeah, let themselves out. Let
2: out. And then come back and scratch your back for you. Give you a massage. That's cute.
3: Yeah, I don't like massage
2: dog. <laughs> The Massage i
3: <Massage> worried <laughs> their hands would smell like dog. Like I don't like the dog smell, and I feel like their hands would still have that dog smell. Like that dog smell. Then they rub my back, and I would have the dog smell in my bed. And I would. Have it's
1: a, a bad time. This is, this is not
3: Thank bad. you to the dog owners of the world for giving dogs a home, so that I can wave to them and pet them. And don't have to. That's mm-hmm.
0: fair. That's fair. <laughs>
1: Um, Here's another question from Miscellaneous Soup. Dear Teeny Howard, I've been a fan of your work for years. I recently read Magdalena. Is it possible that you could discuss further plans, especially in terms of the shared universe? I hope you have a good day.
3: Oh, no, man. I loved writing that book. I actually was, when I went to San Diego Comic Con just for the day this year, I stopped by the Top Cow booth with my friend Ryan Katie, who co-wrote that book with me. And we were, (laughs) B-minus. He's a B-minus. uh, solid A plus Brian Katie and uh, we we were hanging out by that booth and I was just like definitely you know is something that I would love to do when I have time again definitely something I've like had talks with Top Cow about I love that character I love Maya the Magdalena we got to create I love getting to create her and have her roll around with patience uh, because I don't know I, I have one of my favorite things about writing comics for existing companies is getting to play with a I, I think legacy characters are cool as hell i, I think it's really cool and characters create found families with like the same you know little oh it's like a nightly order or something right we all have our symbol we all have our thing we believe in we all fight for it uh and i think that's really cool and so i loved getting to do that with magdalena and having um patience and maya and you know have them build up a team um and then uh I would love to, to write more of them. Totally. Yeah. It's definitely something I've talked to Top talk about and uh, definitely something that when I have time on my schedule I kinda of, um uh, I would love to. I, I don't there are no firm plans, but uh I'm I definitely would love to write. Do you
2: them. have ideas for what you do?
3: Oh yeah. Ryan and I had like we we have had, we had like a whole second and third arc planned just that the time sales didn't support it. Mm-hmm. Um but I mean there's definitely stuff that, you know, from our original plans that we would bring it back. We had some cool plans that we were like, man, you know, kind of bummed we never got to do it. But the the seeds are there. So if we go back.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Well, there you go. Miscellaneous soup. Miscellaneous soup had a little existential crisis about. I noticed that. <laughs> said, oh. I feel dumb. I just realized that I was supposed to put my question in the subset comments. No. Uh, no. My apologies for being annoying. I'm going to leave. I'll come back. I feel like I'm being less obnoxious, slash, not ruining the stream. No. Miscellaneous soup. No, no. So Miscellaneous know.
1: soup, it's fine. You it's know. fine, but don't let it happen again.
2: You're no, let it know. happen again. You, <laughs> put your, you put your comments. Come on,
3: back.
2: come on back. You put your comments wherever you want your comments.
3: Thank we check, you, we,
2: we check all the channels. You can leave them anywhere you want. That's true. Yeah,
3: That's true. Genuinely. You can... Thank you for coming and asking such a cool, respectful, yeah. fun question that let me talk about one of my favorite projects. You did a great job and I was happy to answer it. So thank you. Come on back. Soon.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yep. Um, we do have another one from Sebastian question for teeny since I can't make it live Excalibur and Knights of X seemed so heavily rooted in both Marvel and Arthurian lore. Was there a lot of research required for that series? What was that process like? Really enjoyed the whole run. Thanks.
3: Thank you. Uh, you know, I, di- I did do a lot of research, but it's also, again, one of those things that I've just had, like, i interested in my whole life. I'm a history nerd. I'm a fantasy nerd. Um, but as far as things that, like, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing I really, really read and one thing I definitely didn't read. So one thing I definitely, definitely read was Bernard Cornwell's Arthurian books. Uh, Mm. He's definitely like an old stodgy British guy, history author, but I love his stuff. Um, And he wrote a bunch of Arthurian books that are basically like, okay, I know, I know the dark ages is not a historical term anymore, but they're more or less set during post-Rome Britain where, um, you know, everything was kind of just a bunch of uh, various, well, post, sorry, yeah, where it was a bunch of just, you know, Welsh people and British people and Scottish people and people of all Picts and all different backgrounds fighting each other for chunks of England, and he kind of turns the Arthurian legend into, like, a, a, like, a low like a no magic history like it's kind of like Mm. what if arthur was just kind of like a british warlord and merlin was just kind of like shit (laughs) and (laughs) morgan a crazy woman uh and it was a really cool look at these people as characters with all their like flaws and stuff and it really got me thinking about like a version of these people that was working and another thing i did that was cool was i worked with like cy spurrier who'd written some stuff on black knight and had built up some cool stuff Mm regard to Arthur that he didn't get to continue in Black Knight but we talked about it and I was like oh, I think that's sick and I'm going to continue some of that next caliber so we kind of thought to build things up together sometimes in comics it doesn't happen one book continues one book doesn't whatever and you kind of like are able to take those pieces one thing I definitely didn't read and it's not because I didn't want to but I did not and I have not read yet uh, well I probably I probably will not, but I, I have not read Kieran Gillen's Once in Future with Sam and Dan mm. Mora because Kieran's my good friend and we have similar story instincts sometimes. and I told Kieran this mid this podcast, I was like, I can't read it. Like, it's just too, I know I will. Ins- like, I was like, hearing your work inspires me already. Like, I read so much, like, you know, like, uh, like Phonogram and Wickediv when I was like working at a comic shop that I'm yeah, like, right. I did, if I read your take on Arthur, it will, like, I will unintentionally ape you, you know? Uh-huh. So, I definitely did not read Once in Future and I haven't still because I was afraid to get too close. It's quite it's quite uh, good. Um
0: I think we have one we have one more. more? Before the question, Rachel says um happy Scorpio season to Teeny and to everyone else. Ooh.
3: Thank you. Congrats, hey, all the Scorpios
0: great. out there. My Matt, what's what's your sign? What?
2: what's your sign? The cat. <laughs> your astrological <laughs> sign? Your uh, my my sign is a big sign, that says don't ask me that. Uh my Ooh. I'm an Aquarius. <laughs> I'm an Aquarius. Yeah, no, I'm not. Yeah,
3: I love I, uh, I love when people don't give a shit about the zodiac and they tell me what they are, and I can go mm, that makes sense because they don't. <laughs> that. <laughs>
2: oh, <laughs> so that means that I uh, like water. Okay, it's
3: not even a water sign.
0: It's an air sign. You you'd think it is, but you absolutely. Uh, Here's it, here's a question from yeah. Victor Fuentes. Why is the Gotham verse attractive for writers aside from hmm. the large group of uh, readers? Why do you guys like writing stuff for all those characters?
3: Yeah. I love I love Gotham City. I love yeah. okay my my earliest memory of being obsessed with gotham city is batman returns um mm. i also yeah. remember the cartoon i watched the shit out of it um and it's just so gothic i'm a goth girl i love <laughs> i even love i even love the like batman forever version of gotham like that movie that's summer,
0: so good I, I also, it's so like, good
3: on it like to me that version of gotham is the closest to the like grant morrison era like necrodelic like neon lights mm-hmm. the showing up and dick being oh, yeah. that's my favorite stuff um so i really love gotham when it's kind of like not just goth but kind of also like neon and weird um and i like just building out different parts of it like in catwoman we have built this kind of building called the trixie and this high street which is basically like where you know you go if you're like a if you're wealthy and you don't like broke shit, but you're maybe not on the level, um, you know, you can hang out there and you can put your gum up in the Trixie building where Catwoman lives and you don't know she lives there. Um, and and like in punchline, we're like messing with parts of alley town where it's like grimy and it feels like, you know, places where Blake and I have been and live where we've lived, you know, on the East coast or places like Hollywood where it's like bright and colorful, but like scary in places. And some of those places are also really the fun parts. And like, um, so yeah i mean gotham is i love cities um and i love i've always loved gotham i think it's just like the city itself is attractive for me not just the characters for sure Mm -hmm.
2: yeah i mean i think for me as a as a fellow gotham writer i love um a realized world and like like teeny said like where the the city's a character but i i think that like so much of what is important to me about superheroes is like how they interact with the world and how, how the world Mm. interacts with them and how those things inform each other. And like, I grew up in New York and so like, I really believed in, in the Stanley, you know, Marvel is the world outside your window. And like, it's amazing when I see New York as a character in a Marvel book, that's more than just like, this is Times square. This is the statue of Liberty. And Mm. I always try to do that and be like, Oh, you know, this is a, you know, like we get to see these heroes on the subway. We get to see them, you know, down at, battery park we get to see them in the Bronx it's not just like whatever but for Gotham it's like that except you can create all this stuff that that is like absurd and crazy and it's like it's sort of it, it's New York City I mean I know people will be like it's Chicago it's whatever it's New York City to me and um, you know it's New York City on on speed and psychedelics and <laughs> horrible drugs and like on a you know it has a shiny part that is is fun to dip your toe into but the the underbelly of Gotham is is so fun and exciting and like it's this magical world that feels not that different than ours like it 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 feels relatable we understand what it is but it also (laughs) is this world that has created penguins and Riddlers and Jokers and Catwomen and Batman and just like it's I, I love thinking about like how how the that there's a certain type of beautiful magic in the same way that like an Arthurian legend has like magic infused in in classic things like it's a modern magic that I think is so fascinating and fun and we don't get to play with a lot in in other forms of fiction
3: uh yeah it's always exciting to feel like you can do that like there's a reason why Gotham writers are always like we always want to take like to make something up and put something in that's like a nod or a reference like it, we can't help it like I the yeah. the restaurant on the bottom floor of building is called Capolo's meat market and it's Mm. like an italian place like it's just something you do you have to put something into gotham and say you know and hopefully someday someone will make a dumb reference to me in a catwoman book but (laughs) they do i'll be here to do that for others but it is exciting like i remember when i was writing skeptics it took place in washington dc which is where i'm from and where my Mm -hmm. grandfather you know worked in the 60s and all that so like that city and that era is really important to me and uh i remember being really excited because i was like i want to include ben's chili bowl which is like a famous (laughs) uh D.C. Black owned chili place chili dog place that's been there forever and i i wasn't sure if like it had been there that you know at that time and i looked it up and like not only had it been there at the time it famously like brought hot dogs and served like hot dogs and chili to people that would go to like mlk rallies and stuff like oh, awesome. it was like one place where they could be like everyone can come back here like we'll, we'll serve everyone so i was like that's so cool like i got to put this piece of my history into this comic i'd never seen it in a comic before i'd never seen anyone do a comic in dc in the 60s and put ben's chili bowl in it but it was just like it's one of those fun ways to be like, yeah, I can like immortalize this thing I care about and, yeah, you know yeah,
2: absolutely well, Matt, you ready to get out of here? I'm ready to go. this has been lovely <laughs> it co- it couldn't be better, so I think that you leave on a high note <laughs> absolutely.
3: I, mm-hmm. I you're a live experiment mess
2: <laughs> it well I before
3: it
0: I think that to wrap it up, I just wanted to point out mountain lion very real mm-hmm. Very just what? Maximum store, taste, it says. Store brand. <laughs> maximum Teeny, taste. Teeny's doing a dab in, in honor but, of
1: Mountain Lion. Yeah.
0: In my research, I came across something I would like I, would, I see if Teenie's got any answers for me about this one, is the uh, the Hannaford uh, brand equivalent of Dr. Pepper, which is known as Dr. Perky. Dr. Perky. <laughs> which
3: I have seen Dr. Perky.
0: Smooth flavor.
3: I I, I I just want to know
0: where the where was where was the you know what's this about Dr. Perky what marketing like fucking group came together and said which words are gonna get this the most amount of folks to buy our Dr. Pepper Equivalent in I mean we're
3: one
2: to talk. Do you, know, yeah, do you
3: guys know what Food Lion is yes. famous for on the East Coast?
2: What they're famous no. for? <laughs> no.
3: Selling rotted meat. That's what they're famous for. Oh
2: no.
0: <laughs>
3: Everyone I know calls it either Food Dog or the Shitty Kitty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. So I'm sorry if you're a loyal Food Lion fan I think and a listener. If we're losing, losing our sponsorship losing Food <laughs> Lion, <or> food. <laughs> this
1: food food lion. Episode brought to you by Food, food Lion. lion.
3: Which, yeah, like you can't trust <laughs> anything that goes on in a food line to follow like logic or I,
2: I would just I would just point out that I think like when I think of a drink and I know that, you know, uh I'm 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 part of a Dr. Pepper family, Dr. Pepper loyalists, so like I, I'm I'm not like speaking ill. Beer. But like Dr. Pepper, to me, the name it doesn't sound like it like I don't want a drink that's peppery. No, it sounds But good. Perky Dr. Perky, like Dr. Great. Perky
1: is more fun. Yeah,
2: uh,
0: That
1: sounds no, great. No, we I are, we,
0: are we making a switch? Are we the Perky Boys? We could be the Perky Ooh, Boys. we could be
1: the Perky <laughs> Boys.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Done. It's done. It's not bad. If
3: you're the Perky right,
2: Boys, done. you might get a doctorate, too, out of it. So. Oh, hey. <laughs> Doc- <laughs> Dr. Perky
1: Boys. <laughs> do, you think, do you think Dr. Pepper ever got his honorary doctorate? Do
3: you, do you yeah, he got it at the same him? time game and did.
2: He was, a, was he not <laughs> a real doctor?
1: There's no way he was a
2: real doctor. I thought, he was like a, I thought it was like a, at a pharmacy and he was like a, mixing drinks at like a soda fountain pharmacy. And he was, I don't fucking know. We'll yeah, it is That's there something
3: right. to the fact that like he, doctors at one like, like, does this go back to the putting cocaine and soda joke from earlier? I think it and soda?
2: does. I think it does. I mean, I think it's not a joke though, right? Like Dr. Pepper was medicinal. That's what, the like, you're supposed to take it at certain times in the day to keep yourself regular
3: to drink it hot
2: also yes uh tri- oh. yeah mm-hmm. really yeah i'm okay with that i don't want to do that's that what,
3: next time that's what i'll have in the mug we're gonna
2: all have a hot dr, hot pepper, dr. Next. pepper next live episode we're all gonna have it and it's gonna i'll try know, it but i'm uh, I don't that's know. what having it is trying it
1: anyway go to foodline.com use our promo code <laughs>
2: Did you say
3: (laughs) sorry? (laughs)
0: Um, That's slash ideas don't get diarrhea, but maybe you would. Sorry about it.
2: (laughs) Jesus. Jesus. And on that wonderful note, I think we're done here. I think we're done. (laughs) Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you, you Tini, for being here. here.
1: And that brings us to the end of part two of our discussion with Teenie Howard. Make sure to check out Phenomenosity as well as everything else Teenie's working on by visiting her substack, The Scorpio Room, at teenyhoward.substack.com. To get the latest episodes of this podcast, as well as news, giveaways, and even comics delivered straight to your inbox, go to ashcanpress.com and sign up for the newsletter. We'll be back next week with another wonderful guest. And in the meantime, you can write to us at ideasdontbleedpod at gmail.com or tweet to Matthew Rosenberg at ashcanpress Press on Twitter, me at Tales to Astonish, or Griffin at Griff Sheridan. We'll include some of your correspondence on the show, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. And big thanks to summer people for our theme song, Where's the Poison? Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.